Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. everybody, welcome to another edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I am Dan Lobby and joining me from yet another airport is Mary Kay Cabot. And uh, where, where are we getting you from today, Mary Kay? Well, Dan, another week, another airport for me. Uh, right now I am uh, fresh off my trip to uh, Barcelona and a little uh, sneak over to Paris. Got home two days ago from that. And now, Dan, I am in an airport with six 17-year-old girls. Uh, we, we are heading out to uh, Los Angeles to visit my daughter who is out there doing a, uh, a high school summer program. So uh, here I go out to LA with uh, six 17-year-olds. Dan, I know you're jealous. <laughs> well, your, your kids literally have you going everywhere because you, you went to Barcelona because uh, your son is out there and now your daughter is on the West Coast. You're just all over the place. Yeah, we're having a crazy, crazy summer and this is supposed to be uh, our off season. <laughs> this is supposed to be uh, our downtime. It's not really working out that way, but you know, you know how it is when you have kids. You just uh, you just keep going twenty four seven, right? Right, exactly. And at least it's not you know just busy with football stuff all the time. Um, so that's good. yeah, yeah, yeah. This is fun stuff. In fact, in fact, I am actually going, uh, and I'm looking forward to to uh, speaking to. Uh, the University of Southern California sports journalism class on Monday, July second. So I'm kind of excited about that. All right, there you go. Well, that, that that's good. And you'll be uh, you'll be in LA for the uh, probably for for LeBron week. Although I don't know. Hope, hopefully not. Yeah, and you know what? Like we did talk about that yesterday when we were in the office. If something does break or happen while I'm there. Of course, I have the old trusty computer with me, which we never leave home without that. Uh, I will be ready to spring into action of any sort and, and do whatever anybody needs me to do. But I'm, I'm hoping for the city of Cleveland and, and for, all, uh, for all fans in Cleveland that we don't have to worry about that. All right. Well, well, let's get to the Browns. Uh, it is, uh, of course, today is Thursday, June 28th, when we're recording this, and the Browns released their training camp schedule, all of that. And uh, I wanted to kind of knock this one out with just four four questions kind of here in between the offseason program and training camp and, and kind of, you know, throw out four questions. We'll each kind of give an answer and discuss. So, um, you know, let, let's go ahead and get right to it. Uh, the, the first question um, as we kind of look at what this football team has done. And we're going to open this up to free agency and, and the draft. The first question, Mary Kay, is who do you believe is this team's most important off-season acquisition? Well, Dan, hands down, I, I think that has to be Baker Mayfield because, uh, you know, they have waited so long to get their quarterback. They have passed on guys like Carson Wentz and Deshaun Watson and, you know, Derek Carr and so many others to, you know, to, 
to that extent. So uh, this was their chance to land their franchise quarterback, and they had their choice. They had their pick of the lot. They could have taken Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen, Josh Allen, uh, any of these guys, and they settled on Baker Mayfield at number one overall, and they have they have basically told the city of Cleveland and Browns fans that, you know, this is the guy. This is what it has all been leading to, and we believe that, that this young man can take us to the promised land. So it's huge, and uh, we, we will see how this works out. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to debate against the, uh, the number one quarterback taken in the draft after all these years of uh, stockpiling picks and, and pushing this decision down the road, finally taking a guy at number one overall, using a high draft pick on a quarterback. And, and the bottom line is this, no, no matter what anyone thinks of that pick, there's people out there that loved it. There's people out there that didn't love it. But no matter what, the Browns have definitely identified this guy as like you said, the quarterback they believe that can can take them to that promised land. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's huge because, you know, when we went into this whole process, I don't think in the very beginning that anyone really truly believed that the Browns were going to end up with Baker Mayfield. I don't believe uh, that, that anybody thought about that. I think everyone was thinking for a while, uh, maybe Josh Rosen. I think for a while people were thinking Sam Darnold then. And then Josh Allen got into the picture, and then there was some thought to that. Uh, but here they are, uh, you know, taking that chance on a six-foot-tall quarterback, which, you know, there just aren't many of them. Obviously, they're wildly successful in the league, so that's a bit of a risk. Uh, and here you have a new general manager in John Dorsey making this pick. Uh, he had help from a lot of people, including Scott McLuhan, who he brought in as a consultant. And we know that from the very start, Scott McLuhan, who John Dorsey uh, really, really thinks very highly of, uh, was all about Baker Mayfield right from the start and feels like uh, he has some Brett Favre in him. So uh, that's what this is all about. Uh, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's going to be really, really interesting to see how this turns out because this, you know, this makes careers and breaks careers. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, you're, you're always kind of tied um, to that quarterback that you choose. Uh, however you go get him. I mean, for, for John Dorsey, just go look at Kansas City, right? His first move was to go out and make a big trade to bring in Alex Smith, and, and they built around him. Obviously, a little bit of a different situation, but you know, he kind of tied himself to whatever success Alex Smith was going to have, and it turns out they were incredibly successful. Yeah, and, and you know, like you said, uh, you know, that was his first big move, and he's been involved with a lot of really good big moves, uh, but it's different with the quarterback because – the truth of the matter is, with quarterbacks, no one really knows how successful they're going to be until they get out there and they try to do it. And even sometimes the best laid plans with these quarterbacks go awry. And then you've got other quarterbacks that surprise everyone and are wildly successful when people didn't really believe they would be or, or they were skeptical. So uh, it's, it's often a crapshoot. It's not easy. Uh, to land those Brett Favre's, uh, and you know, it, they, but they believe this is the guy that can get the job done. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna nominate my answer for this question. Uh, I'm gonna go with a guy that they brought in that will eventually help Baker Mayfield be successful, and that's gonna be Jarvis Landry. Um, they they went out and made the trade for Jarvis Landry, disgruntled in Miami, uh, signed him to the big contract extension, five years, seventy five million dollars. So they make a big investment in him. 
So I'm going to go with Landry as, as, uh, as my answer to this question because I think he's got the potential to be a little bit of a culture changer for this team. Now we'll see how it all plays out. Um, you know, we'll see if uh, some of the reasons and things went awry in Miami maybe also happen here in Cleveland. But uh, right now, I, I think Jarvis Landry is going to be absolutely huge for this team and its receiving core. Well, you know, I, I think you're right about that, Dan. And you did an excellent Q&A with Jarvis Landry. And uh, for anyone who hasn't gotten a chance to read it yet, go find it on cleveland.com. You know, just Google Dan and, and Jarvis Landry and, and you will find it. And, uh, and you'll really enjoy that. But uh, he is a game changer on and off the field. He's got a tremendous personality. We've already seen how he has kind of knit that whole receiving core together. The chemistry on that receiving core was not good last year. You knew it. I knew it. We all knew it. I mean, it was, you had Kenny Britt, uh, who wasn't fitting in, and it was just sort of bad blood of, of, you know, throughout the whole receiving core. And I'm not blaming that on Kenny Britt. I'm just saying that it was a bad fit, and it went south very, very quickly, and therefore he didn't come in here uh, as the leader that they needed him to be, it, it just, it didn't go well at all. I think that's going to be different with Jarvis Landry. I think Jarvis is going to come in here and, and he's going to light this, uh, light this receiving core up. He's going to light it up on the field too. And, you know, we know that he has the capability of doing that obviously because he's got 400 receptions in his first four seasons and he's a three-time pro bowler. And it's interesting because now you've got, um, him saying things like I'm the best receiver in the NFL. Well, you still have Josh Gordon on this roster too. So, uh, so there's going to be a lot happening at the receiver position now. Yeah. I mean, you know, he says that you can make the case, maybe he's not even the best receiver on his own team. And, and that's certainly nothing against him. It's just a testament to how good Josh Gordon could be. Um, which, you know, in a roundabout way, we could even call him a, an acquisition since he's, uh, he's kind of back for a full year. Um, Anyway, let's, uh, let's move on to our next question. We spent about five minutes on that one, so let's move on to our next question. And we're going to talk about the draft. Uh, you already mentioned Baker Mayfield, but this question comes with, with one kind of qualifier. It's the most important draft pick, but as it pertains to this coming season, the most important draft pick for the 2018 season, Mary Kay. Well, you know, I like the, um, I, I like the conditions that you put on this question because it does – uh, make you have to think about it uh, because we all know that if Hugh Jackson had his druthers, Baker Mayfield would not play this season. He would keep him on the bench, redshirt him, and let Tyrod Taylor uh, do whatever he can with this football team. And they think that's going to be winning some football games. Uh, so, you know, Baker might not, not see the field uh, early. We don't think he'll see it early, but he still might see it. And so, therefore, I'm going, to, I'm going to stick with him, and that's okay. because I've lived, I've lived through all these 26 starting quarterbacks uh, that have started for the Browns since 1999. And do I have that number right, or am I, have, I, have I forgotten a few? Um, <laughs> Who knows at this but, point? But, you know, I've, I've been around for all of them and, and some that even came before them uh, back in, you know, plenty that came before them in the, you know, in the 90s and the late 80s and things like that. So, I know the importance of the quarterback, and I think he will get on the field this season. I really do. I think at some point he will because they're going to want him to be able to hit the ground running next year, and if they're out of it and they're not going anywhere, they're going to want to give him some experience towards the end of the season, and it will be an opportunity to see 
does this young man really have what it takes or, or does he not? And they, you know, they should be able to tell that in three or four starts. Okay. So, so you just kind of threw a curveball at me because I was not expecting, uh, I was not expecting Baker Mayfield there. Um, I thought you would actually take, I thought you would take my number one choice. So I was trying to think of some other guys. So I'll, I'll just go with my number one choice. Uh, I'm going to say Denzel Ward, the number four pick, the guy I picked right after Baker, uh, just because he's going to, it looks like, get an opportunity to be the starter from day one. They're going to need him to be a shutdown corner. He's going to be facing guys like Antonio Brown out of the gate, uh, Michael Thomas possibly out of the gate. I mean, there's some – there's some matchups that he's going to face from uh, from day one that are going to be really difficult. And, of course, you know, they've got DeAndre Hopkins. They've got so many good receivers that they're going to have to play this year. And he's probably going to be matched up with them. And if this defense is going to have success, it looks like they might be willing to throw uh, Denzel Ward right out there and, and test him immediately. Yeah, I think they will. And I think that's an excellent choice on your part, Dan, because, like you said, I mean, he is going to have a tall, tall order this year of trying to, to handle all those number one receivers. He's basically basically going to have the job that Joe Hayden used to have in taking on the opponent's best receiver. And like you said, uh, it is a star-studded lineup this year with all those guys, of course, beginning right off the bat with the, with Antonio Brown. And like you said, Michael Thomas, then you go on and on from there, AJ Green. Yeah. Uh, it's it just, you know, it's just a who's who of receivers that he's going to have to uh, face and I, you know, so far so good in in the mini camp that we've seen. Uh, the the moment hasn't looked too big for him. Of course, there will be growing pains. Uh, there has to be with you know when you have a rookie cornerback, you know, getting thrown out there. But the tradition of Ohio State defensive backs in the NFL has been good. They're well coached, uh, and you know they've been coming into the league and making an impact. And obviously, Marshawn Lattimore and, and those guys. Uh, have fared very, very well and, and have, have stepped right in and played well. Yeah, and I think you go back to, to some of the comments that were made by Brown's personnel after they drafted him. Um, you know, they said one of the things they liked about him is at Ohio State, they play an NFL style. Um, now, there's some things that they wanted to kind of coach out of him or, or kind of coach up with him, but at Ohio State, they're looking at these guys as NFL corners. They're not looking at them playing – like a lot of college teams play in their secondary. Ohio State plays these guys in a lot of man coverage. Yeah, they do. And we've heard before, they have said numerous times, uh, you know, why did he only have two interceptions at Ohio State? Well, he played uh, the man instead of the ball. Here, uh, they, will, they will teach him to do more of that. And in, also in talking to Dwayne Walker, and I will be writing a bit, little bit about, more about this as we go along here over the next couple of weeks. But, you know, he talked about that, you know, Denzel, Denzel did not, backpedal in college and he has to learn some of those kinds of things and that's a big thing that you have to be able to know how to do at this level but when I watched him at the uh at the combine doing that I I thought he looked like a natural at it whereas that is something that Justin Gilbert always struggled (laughs) with but when it comes to being coached up here he will be attacking the ball and going after the ball and they will expect him to make those game-changing interceptions. Okay, so there's uh, about five minutes on that one. So let's move on to uh, the next question. We're going to look at second-year guys now. So the guys that the Browns drafted last year, uh, who do you think among the the group of second-year players is poised to make the biggest jump uh, as we head to training camp? Well, you know, I think it has to be Miles Garrett. Now, when you look at his statistics last year, it looks pretty good that he was able to get seven sacks 
in only 11 games. You know, that, that was tied for second amongst NFL rookies. And on the stat sheet, that looks pretty good. But even Miles Garrett will be the first one to tell you that that stretch that he endured of about, I think it was maybe seven games with one sack. It was six or, six or seven games with only one sack. That's not what he expects out of himself. It's not what the Browns expect out of him. They want dominance. Uh, they want him to come out and step up in a big way and take over games. And we talked to all of those uh, assistants and coordinators at minicamp, and, and Clyde Simmons talked a lot about how Miles Garrett, you know, he, he needs to stand his ground. And there are certain things, he said, on the football field that he cannot put up with. You can't get bullied. You can't let uh, these experienced, wizened old offensive tackles get the best of you. Uh, and, he, you know, and he, he just has to show them who's boss, and that's what they want from him. Yeah, I, I think Miles Garrett is, and and he's he's come back in in a different sort of shape. Um, he's had this off season to kind of condition for football as opposed to the combine and all of that stuff. And I think that's important for second year guys. Um, you know, they're not moving to new cities for the most part. They're conditioning to play football in a system that they know. Uh, it, it is a different system, a little bit with Todd Haley, but you know, you, you'll have that. Um, it's still Hugh Jackson around. It's still some familiar faces for, for him to work. I'm sorry. He's, I was thinking about my guy. Uh, I'm thinking about Miles Garrett. So it's still Greg Williams system. And so he's, he's going to be used to this. He's going to be ready for this. Yeah, he's definitely going to be ready for it. And once again, uh, the thing that we know about Miles Garrett is he has set such lofty goals for himself. He wants to be great. He's doing everything he can to be great. I was just at the Louvre recently uh, in Paris, <laughs> and Michelangelo chiseled, chiseled out some uh, pretty amazing sculptures, and that is what Miles Garrett looks like this year. I swear, doesn't he? I mean, he looks like <laughs> someone chiseled him right out of stone. He is in unbelievable shape. He, he just looks ready to be faster off the ball, and I think that'll be a big thing. And the other thing that he's working on, is his handwork. Uh, that's a big, big thing. Clyde Simmons talked a lot about that, and he's got to get better at that uh, to shed those blockers and to be more explosive. Okay, so I, I gave a little spoiler of mine uh, because I started talking about Todd Haley, even though we were talking about Miles Garrett. Uh, so I am going to the offensive side of the ball, obviously, and the guy I'm going to go with is David Nchoku uh, because I think um, he was very raw last year, still had a really nice year when he was on the field, and he's got some work to do, but I went back and looked at some numbers from last year for the Bills, the last three years for the Bills when Tyrod Taylor was starting. And their tight end, Charles Clay, was either at the top or near the top for Bills offensive players when it came to targets. This is according to Pro Football Reference. So Tyrod Taylor likes to throw the ball to his tight ends, at least it would appear based on those numbers. And David Njoku is going to be a really good target for him, a big target that if they can keep him on the field, he could have a really big year for them. Yeah, he, he really can. And once again, he is someone that is physically imposing. Yeah. And he really should be able to, uh, you know, dominate whoever is covering him from a physical out-muscling standpoint, also from a height standpoint. So he has what it takes physically to get this job done, but he needs to learn, obviously, the nuances of the game. Uh, you know, getting body position and getting open and different things like that. And he also has to improve just on catching the football. So hopefully for his sake and for the Browns' sake, uh, he has made 
great strides in all of those areas this offseason and uh, that he is ready to, to make that next big jump. Yeah, and, and you've got to be able to have him on the field as a blocker. Um, you know, we, we all remember that play in Detroit uh, where, where Deshaun Kaiser got hurt and, and the Joker just completely missed the block. You know, he's still a raw prospect, but again, hopefully with that second year, you know, with an offensive coordinator like Todd Haley, um, who has had success with tight ends in the past, a quarterback who has had success with tight ends in the past, you know, hopefully he'll be able to take advantage of that. Yeah, and you know, you know, Seth Evolve is another one that, yeah. that I think has the opportunity uh, to step up big and, and make an up another big jump here. And those guys will be on the field at times together, and uh, that could open some things up for David. And you also have um, Darren Fells in the mix as well. So, uh, you know, he's, he's kind of here as the blocker, but uh, he's a guy, uh, for, he was a former basketball player, um, played professionally overseas, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, th- this is a guy that, uh, that's pretty athletic too. So they've got some weapons at tight end all of a sudden. Yeah, they do. And like you said, Todd Haley is going to know how to use those guys and will use them early and often. And they're going to work the, you know, they're going to work that middle of the field and, you know, try to get those guys also uh, going in the red zone because this is a football team that needs to, as they say in Berea a lot, score the football. And uh, I think the tight ends will be a big part of that this year. All right, so here is our last question. With the, uh, the training camp schedule being released, uh, our final question, there's always a player um, that fans are just going to fall in love with during training camp. And now this could be, you know, this doesn't have to be some down-the-roster guy. Uh, you know, the guy I'm going to say is certainly not a down-the-roster guy. Who do you think fans are going to go to? When, when they go to training camp, they're going to come away thinking, you know, I absolutely love that guy. You know, the first person that comes to my mind on that one, Dan, is Nick Chubb. Uh, I I think that that he's someone that is going to really turn some heads in in this training camp. And at the running back back position, it's kind of easy when you're out there at training camp to see a guy, you know, rumbling around out there and and making yards. And and even in minicamp, I thought he stood out along with Carlos Hyde. But uh, because he's, you know, a draft pick and a pretty high draft pick, uh, and you can, you'll be able to see what he's doing fairly easily in this camp. Whereas, you know, the, some of the guys that are on defense, you're not going to be able to really see exactly what they're capable of because they can't do all the hitting and stuff most of the time. But you will be able to see a running back take the ball and blast his way down the field. And, uh, and I think that will be exciting for fans. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up Chubb because I was thinking about mentioning him with the uh, most important pick for the for this season because I, I think he can have that type of impact. Um, and and look, when the pads go on, that, that's when the running game gets fun to watch. Uh, because, and these are big physical runners; they're not going to shy away from contact. Um, that that first day in pads is going to be a lot of fun when when Chubb gets his first carry and he's he's going up the middle against Larry Ogunjobi and and some of that line you know that linebacking core. Uh, it's it's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, it is. And it's, it's going to be heated. And there will be times in camp where they do those live tackling periods, like you said, and the sirens will come on and you can get tackled to the ground and those kinds of things. So you will see some of that, not a lot. They need everybody to want to get to the season healthy. But I just think that um, – I think fans will enjoy him. Yeah, that's uh, that's a good choice. 
I'm honestly, I'm going to go back to Landry for this one. I, I think he's going to be the guy that fans, fans and the HBO cameras really like because, you know, he catches the football. He, he's a guy that knows how to put on a show a little bit. You know, he's going he's gonna to play it up for the fans a little bit. Um, so, so I got to go back to Landry on this one for my turn. I, I think fans are going to come away. You know, they're going to see touchdowns because of this receiving core in part because of him. They're going to see touchdowns, and that's something that fans have not gotten to see a lot of in training camps in the past, and, and I think he's going to be a big part of that. Yeah, that, that is obviously a great one, and he will treat fans to those one-handed catches that we have been seeing throughout the offseason and throughout minicamp. So uh, that is definitely something he, he loves to do that. He's got a very, very – he's got big hands and a, a big catch radius. And he loves to snare those one-handed passes. That's always a treat for fans to see. It's always fun uh, to capture those on video, and they always get a lot of attention. Another one, Dan, though, that we have not even mentioned is Tyrod Taylor. I think that fans are, are going to fall in love with Tyrod Taylor. I really do. I think they're going to get really excited when they see the way that he is not only throwing the football, but running around, zipping around out there. And, and making things happen with his legs, including running for touchdowns. Yeah, I thought about mentioning him, too, uh, because, you know, again, competent quarterback play. It's going to be something that we haven't seen a, a ton of over the years, and he's going to be able to come in and, and show show a lot of that. And, you know, in an environment where he can't get hit, you know, there's going to be some plays or maybe it would have been a sack otherwise, and, and he breaks a big run, and, and fans are definitely going to love seeing that. Yeah, I, I think that um, – you know, as, as we went through and looked over this uh, uh, training camp schedule, I think both of us agreed that there will be a, a lot of reasons for fans to come out and get excited at training camp this summer. Hey, we've got a video on that. People can go to, uh, <laughs> to cleveland.com slash Browns, and they'll be able to, to find that one up near the top of the page probably still. So, uh, so go check that out. We gave like, like six reasons to go to training camp this year. So there's, uh, there's some good reason for it. All right. Uh, so that will do it for, at least for now, our airport series of podcasts, Mary Kay. Um, I know it's been, uh, it's, we, we've put up with a little bit of uh, travel inconvenience and all of that stuff, but uh, we've gotten a couple of these in the books, and hopefully one of these days we'll actually get to do one in person. Yeah, and uh, watch for these uh, some LA pics on, uh, on my Instagram. All right, absolutely. Thanks, everybody, for listening.